0: KUOZ 100.5 is an FCC-licensed radio station operated by the University of the Ozarks, Clarksville, Arkansas. Hello and thank you for tuning in. You are listening to From the Concert Hall with your hosts Corbin Sturch and Zachary Payne. Your vintage radio program here on KUOZ 100.5 FM. Community Radio, produced by the Radio, Television, Video Department here at University of the Ozarks in Clarksville, Arkansas. From the concert hall plays some of the famous artists of the past, as well as features a few of our very own from right here at home. So sit back, relax, and enjoy as we take you live right here to our very own little concert hall. Hello, and thank you for tuning in to From the Concert Hall. I'm Corbin Sturch. I'm Michaela Burke. And tonight, to help share her knowledge on John Philip Sousa and some of the people we're going to be talking about tonight, we have Lauren Charters. Lauren, thank you so much for being on with us tonight.
1: Yes, thank you for inviting me.
0: So, Lauren, Kayla, I guess I can let you two hash it out. Who would like to introduce Mr. Sousa first?
2: All right. Well, um, Sousa was... um An American composer, and he was in the late Romantic era, and he did a lot of pieces for American military marches. That was mainly what he was known for. He was called the March King or the American March King, and uh, he wrote a lot of pieces such as the Liberty Bell, the Thunderer, the Washington Post, uh, all sorts of things. He did a lot. He was actually in the Marines for a while, and he was in the Marine Band, and then he left, but he came back just to be in the band.
0: Interesting note on that. Some of the recordings we have tonight are of him conducting the Marine Band.
2: That's awesome. So
0: (laughs) that little note there really played into tonight.
2: Yeah, and after he left the band, he just made his own. Uh, Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, he was done.
0: (laughs) Well, I mean, if I'm not mistaken, to be a part of the Marine Band, you do have to still be an active Marine.
1: Right. Yes. You definitely have to go through basic. uh,
0: I think by the time he was directing marine man what year did you say he was born again
2: uh let's see let me look it up
0: i know it was mid 1800s i want to say uh
2: eight okay he was born november 6th 1854
0: so when he was conducting the marine band in our recordings he was in his mid to late 40s yeah so i mean this would be a good time to retire i mean it would make sense that's definitely for sure.
2: Yeah, uh it says that he was actually the director there for of the marine band for twelve years.
0: Right. And mm-hmm. he finished in ninety two. Right. Mm-hmm. So from eighteen eighty to eighteen ninety two was the year he
1: was there. Something really interesting about him is he actually enlisted in eighteen sixty eight at the age of thirteen as an apprentice apprentice musician. So wow. Starting at thirteen. That's impressive.
0: That's an interesting title to have. <laughs> I mean, I'm mean, i just going to throw that out there. I, I've never heard of that title before. I really haven't. <laughs>
2: me neither. So,
0: I mean, to me, that's a new one. Uh, I'm glad I didn't have to do that. <laughs>
2: <laughs> you got a childhood.
0: Right. But, I mean, it's still an interesting thing to say that you enlisted that early to be a musician.
2: Mm-hmm, definitely.
0: It speaks to, I think, the professionalism and, what are the words I'm looking for here? The respectability of this band, maybe.
1: Mm-hmm. And the I, dedication th- as well.
0: Right, I mean, there's better words I probably could use and should use, but, <laughs> I mean, they're just not coming to mind right now.
1: Well, what I really enjoyed about him, too, is whenever he did actually join at 13, whenever it was on the records, he initially was ranked and listed as boy, so it wasn't even... His actual name. He had to build into that to accept his title and to become the musician that he was and the composer.
0: Really? hmm So they just called him Boy. They didn't call him by name. They didn't...
1: No. They called him Boy when he first started. Wow. That's really got to break you down. That's
0: rude. <laughs> I don't well, like
1: that. But that also speaks a lot to his character to be able it, it to does. start in that level and to build into what he was without getting discouraged.
0: I think it speaks to anyone's character who's able to go through marine training and be a marine because... It's not easy.
2: Absolutely. And he still ended up living like a normal life. Like he yeah. had a wife and yeah. I think three kids. Mm-hmm. And I mean, he, he was perfectly normal. He started his own band and traveled everywhere. And uh, and he, he died re- he died decently young, but he, uh, he had heart failure. Really? He had a rehearsal the day before uh, for the Stars and the Stripes.
0: Oh, I love that piece. Yeah. He
2: had that one the day before. And then he was in his hotel room and passed away. Hmm. That's actually a shame.
0: I've got to tell you, though, I've seen some pictures of John Philip Sousa that were taken during his time at Interlochen. He went and he conducted the orchestra Interlaken for a summer just as a guest conductor. Hmm. And let me tell you, Mr. Sousa could have won the mustache competition. <laughs> That's <laughs> what I was thinking. He had I, a like very well take. He had. he Yeah, he really <laughs> took care of himself.
2: He had quite the mustache. Oh, Wonderful.
0: Yes, yes. But we made the, the comment of, uh, what was it, Semper Fidelis March. We have, I mean, we have a lot of his marches. We have the Washington Post, the Thunderers, Semper Fidelis. We have a lot of his marches tonight on, on our list to be played.
2: So if anyone feels like getting up and marching, yeah, we got you.
0: <laughs> this would definitely be the show to do it. I mean, it's going to be a show for just... March music period. We're going to be looking at Ives later in the night and then also Offenbach. I think he's best known for his can-can. Oh, man. Mm. That's Offenbach. (laughs) (laughs) We're going to be looking at... Oh, what is it? We're going to be looking at his... Hold on. Let me look. We are going to be looking at his Gallop from Genevieve de Brabant. So, that's actually a really fun piece. I was, you know, I was previewing all the music earlier today in my office, and like, I just got stuck listening to that one on repeat. <laughs>
2: <laughs> did you dance, Corbin?
0: No. No. I, I, I remained professional.
2: I'm sure you did. Absolutely.
0: I mean, I'm nothing if not professional. <laughs> but I guess to kind of introduce us into the show tonight, actually, to introduce us into the show completely tonight we could probably do something a bit different to introduce the American band music period and start with probably what is one of the most famous things associated with I mean military music and that's Rossini's overture from William Tell
2: oh my gosh
0: I mean I was getting ready to play Sosa and I thought about this and I'm like no, no. Before we treat these people to the amazing music of So-So, let's really introduce the show <laughs> and really get us on this roll with the American military music and the American band music. So to start us off tonight, we've got The Overture from William Till by Rossini. Enjoy.
2: you for tuning in. You are listening to From the Concert Hall here on KUOZ 100.5 FM. Community radio from University of the Ozarks here in Clarksville, Arkansas.
0: Welcome back to From the Concert Hall. I'm your host, Corbin Sturge.
2: I'm your co-host, Michaela Burke. And tonight,
0: joining us also, we have got Lauren Charters. Lauren, thank you so much for being on the show with us tonight and talking with us through SOSA and some of our other American composers that we're going to be looking at tonight.
1: Of course. Thank you for inviting me.
0: It's always a pleasure to have on someone else from the campus. I'm sure people get tired of hearing just our voices, (laughs) people who are on the show all the time. (laughs) We're not that bad. Variety. It's nice to have variety. So speaking of variety, that last song I chose. (laughs) (laughs) Random. Yeah. I mean, like I said, I was just sitting here. You know, we're talking about Sousa. And then all of a sudden, I'm like, oh my goodness. Before we even get to Sousa, let's talk about a really famous bit of music that's often associated with militaries. And that's, you know, the We Until Overture. And so I just had to. I had to. I mean,
2: no shame in that. I don't blame you. Absolutely not. I'm glad I got to hear that song. Yeah. I mean, it's a
0: really fun song.
2: It really is. I just feel like I'm riding a horse in like an old Western movie every time.
0: You know, and who's to say that Rossini pr- didn't have some influence over Sosa?
2: I'm sure he did. I mean,
0: this was a well-known piece at the time.
2: And so. they all affect each other. That's how music grows.
0: I mean, look at Beethoven, Mozart, and Haydn.
2: Oh, yeah. They all influenced each other. Like, there's no way. I mean,
0: I want. I, I hope I got Haydn right. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> But they were all three in Venice together. And, you know... I want to say Beethoven was just fangirling over Mozart, and it was. You
2: know. Oh yeah, because he wasn't. He wasn't anything yet. Mm-hmm. Not really. Not as big I mean, as Mozart. He
0: was, but no, no one. He was no. Time.
2: He was no Mozart, who I absolutely love. In case. Yeah. You wanted to know. I think you even missed my
0: recital where I played Moonlight Sonata. I did miss just... your
2: recital, but lucky for uh, me, someone else played it
0: that right. night. Right, Nikki Hayes. You're right. And
2: it was awesome. That's I what got I, heard. My, I got my Moonlight Sonata fix. I was happy. <laughs>
0: <laughs> it's a beautiful piece. It's a lot of fun to play. It's my favorite. But I heard Nikki played it beautifully. She did, and so I was really happy for her. It's always great to hear back from crowd responses, mm-hmm. on people. Especially nice things.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, we don't want to hear the mean things. No, we don't. Constructive criticism is one thing, but...
0: I don't think there was criticism to be had, from what I understand. Eh. Who knows? But, going back to Sousa, have y'all got anything else I'd like to say on Sousa? Any interesting facts, maybe?
1: Yeah, actually. Um, Sousa was not just a composer or just in the military. He actually had several different interests outside of music that I really think influenced him. He wrote three separate novels, actually. Uh, The Fifth String, Pipe Town Sandy, and The Transit of Venice. And he also wrote a full-length autobiography, marching along, and numerous other articles and letters to editors of his time to make sure that he was involved with his community. Really? Mm Mm-hmm.
0: Maybe we should get one of his books for the show.
1: Oh, that I, would be wonderful. That'd be awesome.
0: That actually sounds interesting. I didn't know Susu was a writer. Mm, yeah, I didn't Aside either. from music. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I knew he was a writer.
1: But I think that can greatly influence somebody writing in both mediums and figuring out how to jump from one to the other. That's a very mm-hmm. special
2: talent, absolutely.
1: I, th-
0: I think you're right. I mean, I would not disagree with that at all.
2: Oh, uh, actually, whenever he left the Marine Band and he made his own band and Mm -hmm. stuff, they uh, toured Europe and Australia. And he actually developed his own instrument, a sousaphone. Right.
0: The marching tuba.
2: Exactly. Uh, So it's just it looks like a tuba, sounds like a tuba, but it's a sousaphone. Right. Uh, And uh, (laughs) see, when World War One was out, uh, outbreaking and stuff, he was commissioned. He had to go out there. And he was a lieutenant commander and led the Naval Reserve Band in Illinois. Huh. Mm hmm. He had quite it. the life. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and then he came back and of course he conducted his own band again mm-hmm. until he died.
0: What year was it that he did pass?
2: Uh, nineteen thirty two.
0: He did live a nice long full life.
1: Yeah. Mm-hmm. When he wasn't in the bands, he was actually trap shooting. He oh, really? awesome. Yeah. He is held and ranks as one of the all-time greatest trap shooters in the Hall of Fame. Mm. Wow. What, what did this guy not do is
2: what I want to know. Good grief. He did everything. Was he ever in a circus? I need to figure this out. <laughs> <laughs> I, feel, I feel like if he does everything else, why not? He just list on
1: his resume, does everything except trapeze. Circus. Yes, not trapeze,
2: Afraid of heights. (laughs)
1: Fire breathing, okay. (laughs)
2: Yes.
0: (laughs) Oh, but wow. Things you really don't ever think about composers doing outside of music.
1: Absolutely.
0: I mean, it's like Dr. Gorman. Everyone knows her for her work here at music as you know, teaching music and as a university organist, people forget that she loves photography. She travels all over the country. Mm -hmm. She's taking pictures. Uh, Loves to cook. Master gardener.
2: (laughs) Oh, Dr. Gorman.
0: What was it? The um, sustainable agriculture class took a trip to her garden the other day.
2: Mm -hmm. That's awesome. (laughs) We we
0: talked about that the other day. That was, she was excited. I mean, Uh,
2: showing off. Yeah,
0: yeah. I remember reading her Facebook post about that afterwards.
1: (laughs) Man, I wish I had a green thumb. I literally killed a cactus last year. A cactus.
2: <laughs> I killed a bamboo uh, plant. <laughs> what? Yeah. It was in my room and I just let it die. My roommate's is fine. Mine's not. See, I've tried to
0: grow dill. I've tried to grow parsley. I've tried to grow mint. I've tried to grow jasmine. I, I can't do it. I used to could. I don't know what's happened.
2: We'll just go over to Dr. S- Gorman's. Yeah. So none of us are like Sousa, apparently. <laughs> We can't do everything. Oh yeah. no! know. I'd like to try trap shooting. I think that could be fun. That, that does sound interesting, doesn't it? Yeah, absolutely. You know, back home, that was like the big sport, you know? Show I, field I'm trip right there. S- yeah. Oh, yeah, there we go. Field trip to Boonville. <laughs>
0: <laughs> uh, but to get back on topic, well, we never really left topic, really. We yeah, were talking around bit. the topic. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> I think we should probably hear one of Seuss's marches now. Let's do it. I think we should hear Sniper Fidelis as directed by Captain Captain Taylor Branson. And this is recorded in nineteen twenty-seven by the president's own United States Marine Band. Enjoy <laughs> Listening to From the Concert Hall here on KUOZ 100.5 FM, community radio from University of the Ozarks here
1: in Clarksville, Arkansas.
0: Hello, and thank you for tuning in to From the Concert Hall. I'm Corbin Sturch.
1: I'm Michaela Burke. And I'm Lauren Charters.
0: And tonight on From the Concert Hall, we are talking about music of the American bands and really American music in general, I think. You know, we're going to be looking a lot at American military marches. I think it's a better name for the show.
2: <laughs> <laughs> military marches.
0: I mean, we've looked at some Rossini. And that's not necessarily a military march He's by the U.S. But, I mean, it is still a good way to introduce the show. And now we're looking at Sousa. We've talked about his Sousa phone, And, Kayla, you came across an interesting piece of information about him, I do believe.
2: <laughs> yeah, well, first of all, he actually did not join the military out of, you know, just what he wanted, his father was the one that enrolled him, but that's not even the way he started. He started out as a he played violin and I uh, studied harmony and musical composition, and he started that at age six. That is so young. Wow.
0: You know I'm just saying that a lot of these child prodigies, if we can call them that, started to, seem to start at age six. That seems to be the magic number. <laughs>
2: right? And <laughs> age he, also, three or he, had, six. he had perfect pitch. I wish I had perfect pitch more than anything in this world. Uh,
0: don't we all It'd make music theory exams <laughs> Oh, easier. my
2: goodness, yes. <laughs> I mean, that's crazy. And they found it so young. Uh, he was still, like, in his first year of learning. So he was still six years old and right. finds out he also has perfect pitch. and I so mean, that's
0: and like taking a preschooler or a kindergartner and, and, like, having a conversation with them about, I mean, Could you imagine having a conversation with someone who's that age, in depth, about music theory and classical music?
1: No. Honestly, no, not at all. If you go up to a children nowadays and then try to play them something like that, I think they'd kind of blink their eyes at you and not
2: understand. Just like,
1: yeah, what? Definitely (laughs) different cultural differences for sure.
2: Okay, so I'm cracking up. Okay, we were talking about earlier, you know, is there anything that he did not do? And I asked, you know, was he in the circus? You know, just joking around. Actually. Oh, (laughs) boy. (laughs) Oh, no. He was, uh, his parents just really did not want him to join the circus. That was, like, their concern. So he, he was enlisted in the United States Marine Corps as an apprentice, to keep him from joining a circus band. <laughs> what? <laughs>
1: so, so he does, in fact, breathe fire. and Maybe the he
2: does. <laughs> I don't know. But that's crazy. Like, that's exactly what we were talking that's about.
0: Irony. That's, that's what you call just pure irony. I almost
2: cried. I was just cracking up so
0: bad. That, that is actually quite hilarious and beautiful <laughs> all at the same time.
1: It's official. There is not a thing that Sosa did not do.
2: Oh, my goodness. He must have had a great resume.
0: Yeah, like three, four, five, six pages long.
2: love to get Uh, my hands on that.
0: Oh, I see. You met three U.S. presidents here. Oh, you're (laughs) a world-renowned composer, I see.
2: But he was never in the circus, so I don't know. That might dampen it just a little bit. A little bit.
0: But there goes some (laughs) of the padding. Oh, well. Well, I think we should hear another piece by Sousa. What do y'all think?
2: I think that'd be great.
0: Absolutely. How do y'all feel about the Washington mo- Post March?
2: I love all his music. I it's am just so post-march.
0: <laughs> I agree. So, shall we? Let's do it. Well, here it is, folks. The Washington Post March by John Philip Sousa. KUOZ one hundred point five is an FCC licensed radio station operated by the University of the Ozarks, Clarksville, Arkansas.
2: Thank you for tuning in. You are listening to From the Concert Hall here on KUOZ one hundred point five FM, community radio from the University of the Ozarks here in Clarksville, Arkansas.
0: Welcome back to From the Concert Hall. I'm your host, Corbin
1: Starch. I'm your co-host, Michaela Burke. And I'm Lauren Charters.
0: Thank you all so much for tuning in tonight. Tonight, we're having a very lively show as we talk about music of the American bandstand. Or, well, I, I guess we're not quite to the bandstand yet as we're still looking at the marching band. <laughs> <laughs> so we've been looking at, a lot at the music of John Philip Sousa, and then we also threw in a Rossini at the very beginning of the show, the William Tell Overture. I think everyone knows that one.
2: Oh, absolutely.
0: Yeah. I love that one. Uh, of course you do, Michaela. You just love music in general, I've come to find out.
2: Ah, uh, Yeah, I say that after every piece. I think
0: that's a requirement for this show. You've just got to love music.
2: Well, gotta, I've got it.
0: I mean, but... Let's face it, everyone on this show, every time we do a piece, someone always says, oh, I love that, or, oh, that's my favorite. Have you noticed we've always done that?
2: I've said that's my favorite so many times, I don't even know which one's my favorites anymore. I think (laughs) all of them. I'm waiting
0: for that time when we find a piece on the show that we don't like.
2: I I just don't know if that's going
1: to happen. I don't either. I really don't. Undecided. You play some whale callings and
2: see how you feel.
0: I don't know. I might like uh, those too. Yeah, I feel <laughs> Soothing.
2: Like a, yeah, you remix them just the right way and you can get an upbeat thing going. I, I don't know. I'm done. Yeah, I don't know.
0: <laughs> it may be a bit too high-pitched for me. So maybe I don't like whale callings. That could be a thing I don't like musically.
1: There you go. Yeah. Hey, there.
0: Oh, we found it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, goodness. Up next, we've got Offenbach. Is that correct, girls?
2: That's right. Mm-hmm.
0: So... Lauren, I, I think I'll let you introduce that one. this one. Is that okay?
1: Yeah, of course. So uh, Offenbach was born in June of 1819, and he lived until October of 1880. He was a German-born French composer, German-born French composer right there, cellist, and he was of the Romantic period. He's remembered, he, this dude wrote nearly 100 operettas, 100 operettas of the 1850s to 1870s. And he had an uncompleted opera that was long-awaited and, you know, unfortunately never got finished, The Tales of Hoffman. But his music actually was really powerful, and it influenced later composers of the operetta genre, like uh, Strauss or um, Arthur Sullivan.
0: You know, there's someone I didn't think about tonight when planning the show, Richard Strauss.
2: Oh, sorry. I was wondering about that, actually. Really? Yeah, I thought about that. I saw his name, and I was like, why didn't we, why didn't we pick <laughs> any of his
0: stuff? You know, it's probably because, you know, as much as I hate to say this, it's probably because whenever I was looking through our music earlier, and I was planning this, I kept looking at, Marine, at the Marine Band CDs, and I didn't even think about other composers because, I mean, I know it's terrible to say that. I didn't think about more, but I guess with this one, I just had tunnel vision.
2: I guess we'll forgive you.
0: Oh, I hope you can.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Now, he actually did not start at six years old.
0: Oh, really? What age did he start? Three? Fourteen.
2: Oh. Oh, Late bloomer over here. Oh, a teenager. (laughs) How weird. Well, that's when he was accepted into the school anyways, the Paris Conservatoire. Um... But he actually left there after only a year because of his academics. Really? I guess he can't have everything.
0: Well, he seems to be doing just fine, so he he learned something there.
2: (laughs) He earned his living as a cellist, and he had a lot of fame going on as a conductor. But his actual ambition was to compose comic pieces for musical theater. That was what he wanted to do. And I do not blame him. I love musical theater, so... Of course I do. And
0: we yeah, uh, we all know you were a theater major. I was. Matter of fact, I believe both
1: of you were. Yeah, represent.
0: <laughs> I feel a little out of the loop here. I've never, <laughs> never acted outside of television.
1: Oh, oh it's shame. wonderful. Come on it's down so to Walton but
0: sometime. Um, but I, I've been in a pit orchestra before, so I mean,
2: same thing.
0: Close enough. <laughs> I've you, reviewed plays. You were
1: close to the stage. There you go.
0: I think that's all it takes, right?
1: (laughs) Mm -hmm. No, no, that's exactly it. Review a play, yeah, you're done. Yeah. Yeah. So So
2: it seems like he was pretty nervous about his works and stuff as far as musical theater and things like that. Uh, So instead of like putting it out on a huge stage or anything, he leased a small theater. And that's where he presented his own small scale pieces. And a lot of them became popular. Mm Mm-hmm.
0: Take, for instance, the can-can. There you (laughs) go. I mean, you can't think of the American West without thinking of Offenbach's can-can. Oh, no. In any saloon.
2: Oh, and you know, like, every old Western, like, that's in musical theater. I've done plays where I had to do that. I've can-canned quite a few times doing Western shows. Oh, it's so fun, too. And it's such a fun song to dance to. And, like, you know, you always have to get up on the tables and dance around and can-can.
1: But Michaela... Can-can, you do, the can-can. I Ah. (laughs) (laughs) can-can.
0: That, that, you are punny, my friend. Uh That was brilliant. Thank you. You quipped a witticism.
1: Uh (laughs) Well, something very interesting about him as well, going off of that, when he put all of his works into small theaters, it took him just uh, three short years to produce his first four-length operetta. And I think it was definitely his small work's gave him the boost of the confidence to know that his stuff was liked by the general populace and to build off of that into his nearly 100 before his death 20 years later.
0: Well, it's like people say, Rome wasn't, Rome wasn't built in a day. And you don't become a famous composer overnight by writing a giant piece all at once. You start small.
1: That's true. Of course. Unless you're Susa. And he joined the circus.
2: (laughs) No, he didn't join the circus, guys. Long lost dream. He just wanted to. He'll always wonder what if. It it
0: (laughs) still amazes me. That was his parents' biggest fear at six years old. that They're so afraid. They put him in the Marines.
2: That's crazy. I can't imagine. No.
0: Really, though? I mean, really?
2: (laughs) Now, as, as far as the operettas go and things... A lot of his works were just very uh, risque. He had a lot of innuendos in there and things like that. So that just made them all the more popular. Uh, Because, you know, in this era, there's not a lot of that. I mean, it's the Romantic era. You know, things aren't very risque. (laughs) They're just starting to be. Yeah, he... He was pushing those borders and just really trying to get that out there, and people loved it. And so a lot of his works p- became popular just because of that simple fact.
0: Hmm. Well, we probably should play a piece about him. We're getting we're worse and worse and worse about talking about people so much before ever getting to the pieces. <laughs> <laughs> Let my southern accent show there for a little bit. Yeah, you did. I was curious
2: about that. <laughs>
0: Well, I let my guard down.
2: Stop that. <laughs> I know That's it's... my thing. <laughs>
0: well, here we have The Gallop from Genevieve de Brabant by Offenbach. Enjoy as it is played by the president's own marine band under the direction of Colonel John R. Borges. <laughs> KUOZ 100.5 is an FCC-licensed radio station operated by the University of the Ozarks, Clarksville, Arkansas.
2: Thank you for tuning in. You are listening to From the Concert Hall here on KUOZ 100.5 FM, community radio from University of the Ozarks here in Clarksville, Arkansas.
0: Welcome back to From the Concert Hall. I'm your host, Corbin Sturch.
1: I'm your co-host, Michaela Burke. And I'm Lauren Charters.
0: Tonight, on From the Concert Hall, we have been talking about music of the American military bands, I guess is a better way to look at that. As we get ready to transition into our final topic of the year next week, big band jazz and swing of the early 20th century. We're getting...
2: I would just like to say that swing dancing is probably my favorite thing in the world. And without this swing dance music, I do not know where I would be today.
0: I am just saying myself. I love the Charleston. Mm
2: hmm. Oh, the Charleston. Classic. Anyone can do it. It's very, <laughs> very basic, very fun.
0: Fun is the word. <laughs> fun is definitely the word. I mean,. The Charleston's not only fun to play, it's fun to listen to, and it's fun to dance too. I mean, it's the quintessential dance of what I would consider the early 20th century when you think of dances of that time. Wouldn't you say? Yeah. So, up next on the show, our last composer for the night, we're looking at Charles Ives. Would either of you like to give the introduction on him? Sure. Thank you.
1: So, uh, Charles Ives was born on October 20th, 1874, and he died in the middle of May in 1954. And uh, he was an American modernist composer. So, uh, this composer was one of the first American composers to be internationally renowned. But most of his work actually was not recognized or appreciated during his life. And many of his works went unperformed for many years while he was alive. It wasn't until after he died and he started being coined as the person who is American original. He combined a lot of American popular and church music traditions that he heard growing up and mixed them with European art music. He's known for many musical innovations to start off in the 20th century.
0: Now, correct me if I'm wrong... But for a short period of time, I think he was a church organist
2: that's right, yeah um, he started that I think when he, he was he was fourteen when he started being the church organist.
0: I, I know how that feels so, yeah. <laughs> yeah you do
2: uh, and that was because of his dad not his dad didn't force him, but his dad's name was George Ives, and he would give him music lessons and things like that and you know his son just ended up taking to that and loving the music itself. And he started working on different harmonizations and other things that would help him grow and learn how to, you know, work with music more and then became the organist.
0: It's an interesting little growth there Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. to be the organist that young in an age, especially back in America at that time, because there were a lot of organists. I mean, I think at that time it was hard to get a church job because there were so many qualified organists. So to be one at 14 at that period is amazing to me.
1: Absolutely. And he wasn't just organist as well. He His tonal imagery, it mm-hmm. came from playing in the town band at holiday parades. He was the fiddler at Sunday night dances and uh, his town was filled with music all the time so he was learning as he grew up to pick up different interested interests and different musics and how they could blend together to make a sound unheard of before do
0: we know what state he's from I feel like it should say Kentucky (laughs) I
1: I feel like Illinois for some reason let's see actually Connecticut yep died in New York really to go from Connecticut to New York wow it's quite a jump
0: are, are are we sure they called us the town fiddler? <laughs>
2: <laughs> and you know, um you know, he started so early and didn't really have, you know, you would think that his childhood would be kind of gone, but one of the things that he's famous for saying uh was that playing the organ is as much fun as playing baseball. So that just shows you that he was a kid. He had he, he got to do normal kid things he just enjoyed the music part just a little bit more
0: I can't say I disagree with him I mean it is amazingly fun to play the organ I mean you've got your feet going you got both your hands going you're looking here you're looking there people are like oh my gosh how are you doing this there's knobs everywhere it's like flying a plane <laughs> but to play something that's so much larger than you and mm-hmm. affects so many people oh it's so much fun mm
1: mm-hmm. One of the coolest things I've found about Ives is he was in Yale University and whenever he finished there, he composed a campaign song for William McKinley.
0: What was that called? Do we know?
1: Ooh, let's see here. Uh, It actually doesn't say the name of it, but uh, that was in 1896 there. Hmm.
0: That that would be interesting to figure out what that was. I know. See, I... I think the piece I know him most for is his Variations on America, which is for organ. Mm. That's and, a fun piece.
2: And music also, you know, it just wasn't—it wasn't his only thing. Like I said, he talked about baseball. He was also—he he was on the varsity football team at Yale, things like that. Like he was in a lot of sports. And one of the coaches told him it was a crying shame that he spent all his time with music because he could have been, you know, a professional sprinter or anything like that. He was just talented all around. Well, now, I don't know if he was, you know, in the circus too, but <laughs> he does seem to have quite a few talents.
0: Well, I think the music world can say we appreciate him choosing music.
2: Oh, definitely. <laughs> oh, absolutely, yeah.
0: I mean, it's, it's great to do athletics and expand because athletics aren't a bad thing, but it's always great to see someone choose music.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: So, I'm curious to see, let's see... What what music do I have for Charles Ives tonight? Oh, something just a bit different, his Postlude in F. And this is from a live concert by the President's Own Marine Band as conducted by Colonel Timothy W. Foley. Enjoy. KUOZ 100.5 is an FCC-licensed radio station operated by the University of the Ozarks, Clarksville, Arkansas.
2: Thank you for tuning in. You are listening to From the Concert Hall here on KUOZ 100.5 FM, community radio from University of the Ozarks here in Clarksville, Arkansas.
0: Hello, and welcome back to From the Concert Hall. I'm your host, Corbin Sturch.
1: I'm Michaela Burke. And I'm
0: Lauren Charters. Tonight on From the Concert Hall, we have been talking about music of the American military band, now that I finally figured out how I wanted to say that. <laughs> <laughs> Tonight, we've looked at Rossini, we've looked at Sousa, we have looked at Offenbach, and now we're, to end the show, we're looking at Ives. But. Before we play our last piece tonight, it's time to sign us out for the night. And I guess to do that, I should probably say how hey, you can get a hold of us through the week. Mm-hmm. Keep up with the show and what's happening, especially this summer as we keep you posted on events getting ready for next season, or we'll be looking at lesser known, compu- uh, lesser known composers in music. That'll be a real interesting series. Mm-hmm. Definitely make it harder to find music, but it'll be an interesting series. I'm excited. I think we all are. I think we all are. But before I tell you where to find our music, I would like to say that congratulations to Dr. Dave Daly here at the University of the Ozarks for winning our t-shirt competition. Woo. We pulled names out of a hat, and Dr. Daly, you won our t-shirt.
2: All right, Dr. Daly. Congratulations.
0: So, like we've all just said... Congratulations. We hope you like a medium sized gray KUOZ t shirt <laughs> that we've all signed. We're going to have a nice little mount for it so you can hang it up in your office and always remember us. <laughs> <laughs> oh, then also, if you would like to follow us on Facebook, you can always find us on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash from the concert hall. We're going to have one more giveaway at the end of this year. Our last episode, we're going to give away a set of signed books by Dr. Greta Marlowe. She was on earlier in this season. Mm -hmm. You won't want to miss that episode. Again, that's facebook.com forward slash from the concert hall. We are also on Twitter at FTCH underscore KUOZ. Again, that's at FTCH underscore KUOZ. And of course, like I always say, because radio can have a face, <laughs> we're on Instagram also at KUOZ Concert Hall. Again, that's on Instagram at KUOZ Concert Hall. And then, lastly, we have a Gmail so people can email us and you know let us know what they think as the week goes on. And that's from the Concert Hall Radio at Gmail.com. Again, that's from the Concert Hall Radio at Gmail.com. Now, to play us out into the night, another piece by Ives, and one of my personal favorites. It was written for the organ by Ives, and it's Ives Variations on America. It's a very famous piece, and this will be played by organist Tom Trinney at the Marshall and Ogletree Organ at Trinity Church in Wall Street, New York. Enjoy.